A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Matea reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Canada Land supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Canada Land shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes, like a behind-the-scenes tour of the federal budget lockup, more of Boris Johnson's trip to Canada, and of course, more of us yapping about what's hot in politics right now. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. Jen, it is still crowdfunding month at Canada Land. Good grief. It's like November. It never ends. <laughs> well, in fact, it begins on November 1st and then it ends on November 31st. So actually, it has I know, a that's very, exactly very why it's trunky. literally like November. It's one calendar month where we ask you for a bit of money. I mean, not us specifically because OppoCast is mostly paid for on the dark web. So rest assured that when you give Candleland money, none of it is coming to us, the undeserving neoliberal hacks. All of it is going to much more useful and valuable investigative research. Like Canadaland Commons. They're like the good guys. And you will not have to grow or even look at a mustache. Feel good about yourself this November. Go visit patreon.com slash Canadaland and kick in a couple dollars. Or else you will wake up tomorrow with a mustache. That's true. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks cloud accounting software will make your life easier and it will save you so much time. If you're a freelancer or a small business owner, you need to try features like invoicing and expense tracking. And you can. For 30 days, you get FreshBooks free. Just go to freshbooks.com slash oppo and enter OPPO in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash OPPO and enter oppo. This episode is also brought to you by our newest sponsor, WealthBar. WealthBar makes online investing ridiculously easy, accessible, and convenient. WealthBar has a special offer for Oppo listeners. If you open a new WealthBar account, you'll pay nothing to invest until they reach over $100 in fees. Just go to wealthbar.ca slash CanadaLand. That's wealthbar.ca slash CanadaLand for $100 in free credit with your new account. From CanadaLand, this is Oppo. <laughs> I'm Justin Lee in Toronto, and this is our 50th episode. Oppo is the big five zero. And I'm Jen Gerson in Calgary, and this show is my second favorite child. <laughs> On this week's show, we honor our big five zero milestone by counting down the 50 things we want to see from the 43rd Canadian Parliament. All the wonkery, all the rueful ill-wishing, all the rising stars we want to see... 
Consider this an Omnibus episode. And my baby joins us in Calgary this week because she will not stop crying if I put her down. So if you hear little coos in the background or screaming, that's her. But her tantrums are nowhere near as bad as that of Canada's grumpiest premier. Which premier am I talking about? Well, you have to tune in to see. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. Okay, Justin, to make sense of all the news from my neck of the woods, Oppo has a new segment we're introducing this week. And I like to call it... Jan Gersten's Western, and by that I mean Alberta and Saskatchewan and not BC's Alienation Corner! Okay, okay, wait, hang on, Jen. Don't don't open up the corner yet. I gotta I gotta put on my Quebec Nordiques jersey, hop in my Ontario-made Chevrolet and Pala, throw some Cape Breton coal in the furnace. Okay, there we go. Tell me all about your Western problems. I think I've gone on about the Western problems at length. However, while we're waiting to see what happens with this whole Western separatism shebang, I thought it might be useful to give people just a little brief update. This week in Western separatism. Okay, what's the news? Jason Kenney gave this really long keynote speech at the um, Manning Center Conference for Alberta in Red Deer. And in it, he went on to list out all of the West's grievances, and he proposed a revival of the firewall letter, which was, if you will recall, in 2001, Stephen Harper, Tom Flanagan, and a bunch of other sort of Calgary school luminaries went and crafted this, what was called the firewall letter, which offered a lot of policy proposals, which would effectively mimic what Quebec had already done to sort of cleave Alberta off from Ottawa's control. Among them are things like create your own independent police force, which of course um, both Ontario and Quebec have done. Uh, one of the things proposed was to pull Alberta out of the Canadian pension plan and create an Alberta pension plan. Um, so there's a couple of these proposals uh, that Kenny is going to examine and he's going to host a whole bunch of town halls. I mean, I've said this before, but I think a lot of the stuff that Kenny is doing is is, is an attempt to try and channel separatism and anger into something not as destructive and weird and pointless as actual separatism. So we're going to keep an eye on that. And if your taxes go up dramatically because Alberta pills out of the pension plan, well, fuck you too. Can I posit that there was a reason we didn't do all of those things? It barely makes sense for Quebec to do a lot of, to do a lot of these things, economically anyway. Ralph Klein, who was the premier of Alberta at the time, actually did study them in 2003 and found that a lot of them, yeah, would, would be costly, inefficient. However, the reason to do this isn't economic. The reason to do this is political. It's it's about put it, putting your money where your mouth is. How angry are you? Are you angry enough to actually spend more money in order to cleave a little bit more independence? Right. And that was Quebec's calculation. But for many of those things, there was, there was a good reason for it. I mean, you know, Quebec has its own civil code. They have their own specific taxation schemes. But there's there's logic for some of this stuff in Alberta, too. And I mean, especially for the pension program, what money might be spent through additional administrative costs might be ultimately saved by virtue of the fact that the pension program as it stands really sucks a lot of cash out of Alberta because we have more younger workers paying into a system and few young, fewer younger workers taking from that system. At a certain point, you also need to ensure like a level of you know portability and equality in, in services from one province to the next. Uh, Alberta actually legally can't pull out of the CPP unless it can show, look, we're providing exactly the same services or better. The real question I have with an Alberta pension program or the concerns that I have, I don't entirely trust the Alberta government to be investing pensions in the most um, non-political way possible. Like there's already some talk about, well, what if we were to invest Alberta pensions back into the oil sands? That sounds like a great idea until you realize what you're actually doing is you're 
risking Alberta pensions on a potentially a declining industry. You're sort of talking into the idea that just keeping uh, Alberta's pension plan money in Alberta to use for in, you know, vaguely political investment purposes, it's not the worst idea if you're looking to do some nation building. I mean, Lacasse, I mean, you might you might automatically jump to SNC-Lavalin, but many Quebecers, when they hear about Lacasse, automatically think of the fact that it's funding the massive new uh, mass transit system in Montreal and that it invests massively in, in a bunch of sm- uh, small, medium Quebec businesses. It's actually a very popular thing there. Uh, you know what? Alberta could do worse. The, the, the current crop of people in charge of Alberta's government say many good things and bad things about them. I would not trust them with a giant pot of billions of dollars. That's my That's personal fair. take on this shit. And, and I mean, it's important to note that that'll be a three-year process. We're talking five to ten years minimum in order to do this kind of stuff. Strap in. This is going to be a while. Okay, Jen, so we have the revival of the firewall letter. Where does this rank on your uh, Western, not including British Columbia, Manitoba, alienation meter? I think this ranks a solid eight, just because I think that uh, there's a good chance that some of these proposals will be revived and even implemented. And I think that we may look back on this and say, hey, this was actually a pretty watershed moment in Jason Kenney's tenure as premier. And this was the moment when he actually managed to deflect some of this Wexit energy into something not counterproductive. 8 out of 10. That's pretty alienated. Jen, can you believe that Oppo is 50 episodes old? I cannot. I can think back to when we were just little baby podcasters originally trying to make fly a conceit for a show that Jesse Brown thought up that didn't work. Big surprise. Where you and I were supposed to bicker every episode and it was supposed to be sort of like Crossfire meets Chapo Trap House, which is... A very dumb idea for a show, and I'm happy we didn't do it. We we both came to terms with the fact that we're actually neoliberal centrists who don't hate each other all that much pretty early on. We've come a long way, baby. I, I don't think you're giving this enough credit. I think the conceit for this show was that, was that it would be a really, really cheap show to produce and create <laughs> and would too, probably yeah. be wildly popular. Because as much as people say they want something more substantive, the download numbers show that they really don't. Give the people what they want. <laughs> Meaningless gruel. <laughs> the, the oppo way. <laughs> Meaningless gruel. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, okay. Now that we've sufficiently dunked on our own show that is 50 episodes old, I think it would be good to check in before Parliament meets again. The House won't be sitting again until December 5th. We're going to have a cabinet tomorrow. Um, but it means that we have, a, we have a bit of time to, you know, sort of rest and recuperate. And I thought it would be fun, you know, fun conceit for the show, to list off 50 things that we want to see from this Parliament over the next... Six months to four years, however however long it ends up lasting. All right, here we go. 50 things we want to see in the 43rd Parliament. Cracks Knuckles. Number 50. I want less bad heckling in the House of Commons. I'm tired of all the sexist bullshit. I'm tired of all this, like, the, the desk banging. I'm, you know what? Let, let, we got to clean things up in Parliament. No more of this terrible heckling. I'm actually a big supporter of bad heckling because I think that it allows us a big new cycle of outrage that I'm all for. Number 49. More good heckling. I want a little bit of thoughtful jeering from across the aisles. Fuck you and your respectability politics, man. I would, what, what even makes a good heckle? What are we talking about with that? You're the Minister of National Resources, and I maybe I'll say something like, Don't gaslight me, Minister. You also want to see a speaker with a backbone. To do what, Justin? I've been spending so much time watching uh, Burkow, the, the former speaker of the UK House of Commons. I want a speaker who's a, a, not afraid to get a little more shouty. I think Jeff Reagan is a little too polite. We're not going to get that from Elizabeth May, I don't think. You also want to see a 
new president of the treasury board i mean this is number 47 this is the weeds i i, I recognize that uh joyce murray there's a many good things to say about her she should not be president of the treasury board why well because number 46 atip reform <laughs> I want them to seriously reform the access to information system and actually actually move forward on open government initiatives that are not total bullshit. And I don't trust Joyce Murray to do it. I'm sorry. I want to see prorogation. I would like to see the liberal government use every dirty trick in the book in order to try and squeeze moments, minutes, weeks more of power, just because the whataboutery would be so much fun. This is a new kind of government, not like that old government. Our prorogations are nicer. 44, the least worst pharmacare option. Just judging by the things that Jagmeet Singh has said already, it looks like some form of pharmacare is going to be a mandatory um, element of the next uh, parliamentary session. So I would just like to see something that's not a total bureaucratic nightmare. Jagmeet Singh is angling so hard to make himself the modern day Tommy Douglas, you know, use a, a minority parliament to get a big extraction on health care. Good luck, but I think people are seeing this this plot from a mile away. We'll see if you actually get credit for this, Jugmeet. 43. This is yours, Justin. Fewer lobbyists doing the evening panel news shows. You know what? Power in politics and power play have broken me. I can't watch them anymore. I love many of the lobbyists who go on those shows. Some of them are friends or mine. I'm, I'm tired of hearing them. The, the political gamesmanship. I'm, I'm tired of the, the, the play-by-play. Let's get some lobbyists to break down the political machinations of the day. Over it. Just put Jen Gerson on all the panels. I, whatever. I just don't... I can't do these shows anymore. They're making the country dumber. I kind of get dragged onto these shows to be the person who, I think, shakes the lobbyists out of their talking points and pisses them off a lot of the time. Um, it's amazing to me how disingenuous... And I don't even think people realize yes. just how disingenuous some of these positions are. And and the, the lobbyist who represents the the government of the day has the hardest job on those panels. But it's a fucked up premise to begin with. It's like, you know, oh, we need someone here to explain the government's thinking. So we brought on a lobbyist who aligns with that party and relies on them for lobbying contracts. And let's put them on TV and have them pretend like they're doing good faith analysis of the political scene. That is a fucked up premise. Let's also be really blunt. They're all coming to the table with party sanctioned talking points. Like they're not they're not coming to the yeah. table with like a original insights this is a conflict of interest these are journalism shows putting on lobbyists to pretend like they don't have any major conflicts at all given times is just a fucked up premise these shows are bizarre please stop doing them this way our democracy is hurting anyway number 42 <laughs> someone good please take over from elizabeth may do you have some options on the table there must be someone right right Number 41, someone good taking over from Andrew Scheer. Of course, the Conservatives have their leadership review in, in April, so we'll see if that happens. Maybe good Andrew Scheer takes over from bad Andrew Scheer. I mean, that's fine, too. Just <laughs> someone better than the current iteration of Andrew Scheer. Scheer version 2. I'm looking forward to it. Number 40, someone good taking over for Justin Trudeau. I have less hope about this one. <laughs> but I think Justin Trudeau is there for as long as the Liberal Party tolerates him. And he is the Liberal Party, so he's there until the party dies. You know, maybe he'll surprise us. I mean, you know, there's nothing better than a leader that recognizes their own limitations and decides to go off into the sunset instead of, you know, being found out for having done blackface 20 times in, in, a, in actuality. So you never know. Number 39. I want to see lots of Yves-Francois Blanchet. You know what? I, I was skeptical of him at first. I don't love that the bloc is still defending a thoroughly racist law in Quebec. But it's hard not to find him charming. If they are trying to create an oil state in Western Canada, they cannot expect any help from us. 
if I were Jason Kenny, I would be very uh, trepidatious to pick a fight with uh, that very charming Quebecer. What Kenny lacks in charms, he makes up for in chutzpah. Number 38, lots of Jody Wilson-Raybould. So lovely to see an independent get elected to parliament. Now let's see if she can do something. Yeah, I always love to see an independent actually win their seat. Uh, I always hate to see that independent then get zero time in question period, no committee assignments, and functionally no role to play in the parliament. So it would be very, very nice if some of the opposition parties conspire to give her a good committee assignment or if the speaker recognized her for question period morale, like just something, something, make her not extraneous. Wouldn't it be delightful if the opposition parties managed to wiggle her onto the justice committee? 37, Jane Philpott from the sidelines. Does she walk off into the sunset or does she become like a really interesting political observer? Maybe she becomes Jody Wilson-Raybould's chief of staff. That'd be fun. Hey. Not that MPs normally have chiefs of staff. I, I kind of imagine her as like a soccer coach, like on the sidelines, just like squirting water into Jody Wilson-Raybould's mouth and just like with a <laughs> towel over her shoulder being like, give her hell, Jody! 36. Kenny pulling Alberta out of the CPP, prompting a giant fight over contributions and premiums. Honestly, I feel like we, don't, we, we do not pay enough time uh, talking about uh, CPP, which is a huge program that we all kind of go, eh, whatever it is. Yeah, well, maybe that will finally change. Number 35. Liberal MPs actually standing up for themselves. There, no, there's always a point at, in government where, where MPs finally get tired of being told what to do by, you know, barely out of uh, poli-sci school, you know, political staffers, um, maybe it's maybe it'll happen earlier than normal with this government. I mean, it took the Harper government like seven years. You're a reckless idealist, Justin. You already saw some of it in the last parliament. You know, the, the, you know Wayne Long from PEI went and, and, and fought against the, the small business tax changes the liberals were bringing in. Naders and Smith introduced a private member's bill to decriminalize all drugs. It ha- It's happened to some degree, maybe it'll keep happening okay while we're being stupid number 34 liberal mps going independent realizing that they may actually carry more clout in a minority parliament maybe just maybe jody wilson ribold will inspire the revolt that we're so desperate to see on the floor of the house of commons the jody wilson revolt the revolt okay we need to think of a better name for this but i like it number 33 on our wish list for the upcoming 43rd parliament the liberals going ahead with gun control sensibly. Uh-huh. And number 32, the liberals realizing they have no sensible gun control ideas <laughs> and either dropping this idea altogether or implementing something pointless and symbolic like the ability for municipalities to enact sort of pointless gun bans. Handgun bans. I like that this this list has like dueling points. Like I write one, you write one afterwards that kind of contradicts it. I mean, this is why I went second, let's be honest. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that the liberals are going to take a strategy out of Stephen Harper's playbook. Stephen Harper had a, you know, had a real knack for introducing an end to the long gun ban in a bunch of fun, creative ways that were mostly designed to fuck with the opposition and, and drive fundraising. You know, he didn't actually bother actually abolishing the long gun registry until he actually won his majority government. I kind of think the liberals are going to do the same. They're going to keep, mm. you know, trying to play that thing where they please nobody and pretend like everyone else is frustrating, uh, you know, actually bringing in some sort of gun control and using that to to, to launch fundraising drives. And that's going to suck. I would put some money on the idea that uh, upon hearing this episode, someone in the Liberal Caucus is going to go, holy shit, that's a brilliant idea. We should do that. So thanks, <laughs> Justin. You've, you've condemned this Liberal all. Caucus, stop listening right now. <laughs> Number 31 on our list of things you want to see from this parliament. I did not write, so I'm putting this on you, Jen. Jen, you want to see a recession? <laughs> I don't 
like, you want to see an economic contraction for two quarters or more? I don't want to see a recession in the sense that a recession will be very bad for the country and everything, but I just think it would be really funny to see a recession and then watch all of the fiscal projections completely go to shit, and suddenly the country realize that running deficits when times were good potentially is uh, leaving you very little room to stimulate the economy when times get bad. So I just think that would be karmic. Number 30. I want to see Elizabeth May's all-party climate committee actually come together. It's one thing she was stumping on during the campaign trail. It's a very nice kumbaya. Let's all sit around a, you know, a closed-door meeting and talk about ways in which to reduce CO2 emissions. Nuclear, nuclear, nuclear. Nuclear, nuclear, nuclear. Number 29. Catherine McKenna and Jason Kenney picking fights on Twitter. Oh, God. Why do you want to see this? <laughs> Because I'm, I'm a sadist, that's why. After the federal election, Jason Kenney kind of quasi-threatened the federal government and said, don't put Catherine McKenna back in the environmental position. And so therefore, I think that the liberals kind of have to put McKenna back in the environmental ministry. Better idea, make her Western Affairs Minister. Oh, yes! Yes! <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Uh, 28. I would love to see Ottawa giving up the fight against Indigenous people around its child welfare programs. Yeah, I don't really know of anything that completely quashes the Liberals' credibility on its yeah. claims toward reconciliation than, like, going to court yeah, to try and not stop. pay out children who were wrongly taken into child welfare programs. You're literally paying out the people who you've been underserving and underfunding and ignoring for, for generations. I mean, there's worse places for the money to go to. Consider this a guaranteed minimum income pilot where you just pay the people you've been consistently fucking over. Like, uh, uh, on that note, 27. Ottawa funding First Nations education, welfare programs, etc. Programs at an equal or equivalent level to what the rest of the country gets. That'd be nice. Number 26. Nuclear. 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 I want to see the nuclear. Conservative Party actually nuclear. take up the mantle of, of nuclear energy as as a reasonable uh, tactic to fight climate change. I hear it from people all the time. I hear it from MPs, conservative strategists, conservative vo voters and supporters. It, it's a thing that would automatically, I think, win you a lot of support from people who kind of go, you know, Canada had a pretty good history with good nuclear inspections. Um, a lot of new reactors are small, produce less waste, they're pretty safe, and it's a really good way to reduce CO2 emissions. Why are we not doing this? Because didn't you see Chernobyl? <laughs> There's no difference. <laughs> no difference. No difference. <laughs> Number 25, the Senate figuring its shit out. We now have like three groups of independent senators, all with independent in their name, and which one is actually independent? They're not, and they're not really independent because they're caucuses with leadership that you know makes them not super independent. They're independent of the other political parties. There's also the independent liberals, which are kind of independent from the liberal party, but they're still liberal party members. There's the, there's the conservatives, which of course are part of the conservative party, but then there's the independent Canadian senator, something or other, that is basically just other conservative senators who are not... The, it's Jesus Christ. Just all be independent. Just figure it the fuck out. Okay, we're halfway through the list. We need to take a quick break so you can listen to some ads. Uh, and then we will come back and finish off the, the, the last 25 things you want to see from the 43rd Parliament. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. I have FreshBooks and I use it literally every day. What I find most useful at FreshBooks is that it makes 
doing my taxes so much easier. Now, you might not know this if you're not self-employed or a small business, but a lot of us who are in that field have to do a lot more tax filing than you think. I have to send quarterly reports to the Canada Revenue Agency. And you know what? It can be a real headache. The way I used to do it involved going back to my emails, looking at old invoices, having Excel spreadsheets. There was, you know, cork boards full of push pins and rope going everywhere and piles of receipts under my bed with fresh books all of that is gone it spits out reports so easily i've saved hours of my time every few months and i cannot explain how useful that is on top of that you can do expense tracking you can do time management there's so many bells and whistles on this thing listeners like you can try fresh books free for 30 days. Just go to freshbooks.com slash oppo and enter OPPO in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash oppo and enter OPPO. This episode is also brought to you by our newest sponsor, Wealthbar. Wealthbar makes online investing ridiculously easy, accessible, and convenient. At Wealthbar, you get exclusive access to investments and investment strategies long favored by the ultra wealthy. Now available to any Canadian, no matter how big your portfolio is or how small. So I want to talk about some of the reasons you should try Wealthbar for your own investments. First of all, Wealthbar saves you time. You can start investing right away from the comfort of your pajamas. You can talk to a financial professional by chat, email, phone, or book an appointment, all at your convenience. Wealthbar will also save you money. Wealthbar investments are less than half. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The cost of traditional alternatives. That opens up a whole world of investment possibilities for small-scale investors. And at Wealthbar, you get great investment performance. They're proud of their returns and your money grows faster at Wealthbar. You can get full transparency into your fees and performance anywhere, anytime. They make it easy to build better financial habits with automated investing and a new mobile app so you can stay more connected to your money. And you don't need a ton of cash to use Wealthbar. You can start investing with as little as $1,000. So why not invest your money with Wealthbar? Wealthbar has a special offer for Oppo listeners. If you open a new Wealthbar account, you'll pay nothing to invest until they reach over $100 in fees. Just go to wealthbar.ca slash CanadaLand. That's wealthbar.ca slash CanadaLand. Okay, continuing on with the countdown. 24, the return of Jerry Butts. Because the Liberals just won government again, and they obviously have nothing to learn or be contrite for, I expect that Jerry Butts will be returning into the Prime Minister's office any day now, and it's going to be delightful. Jerry Butts legitimately left to go set up like a, a climate change um, advocacy practice. He was looking for other work. Maybe he walks away from it and comes back to the Prime Minister's office. I, I, know, I know nothing. 23, the return of Justin Trudeau running picks. I actually rate the uh, popularity of our prime minister in direct correlation to how many running picks I see in the media. And I noticed he really seemed to take it inside to indoor treadmills right around the time of the SNC scandal. So return of the running pick. Let's see it. I think you're the only person who's like really keen to see Justin Trudeau jogging more often. But I just think they're funny. Before I get Twitter inundated with people accusing me of being like another woman who's in love with Justin Trudeau, I just need to say I like ugly men. All right. My thing is for ugly men. Jesus. Okay. Does your husband listen to the show? 
Oh, yeah, no, he knows. He's a good-looking guy. Look, he's quite aware that the children are not beautiful because of him, okay? Okay, I'm not touching any of this. Nope, nope, number 22. (laughs) Is NAFTA slash UMSKA, UMSKA. Is it done yet? Can we be done? Is the trade shit over? I think I think we're going to be spending many, 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 many more lobbyist panels talking about the current state of Naftimska. You know, the NDP and the Conservatives both talked a really good game about how they could get a much better deal, and now they're actually put in a position where they're the ones who have to ratify it. So, are you going to put your money where your mouth is? 21! Justice Reform! Justice Reform! Slash the Criminal Code Review. This, is, this one's mine because this one I, I deeply care about. Please redo the Criminal Code. It is such a mess. So many. This is something that we've been talking about doing for like you know, like thirty years, going through and getting rid of all the unconstitutional provisions that are still in the criminal code, that are still sitting around and are still in like the book and on the online version. Um, this matters because people still get charged with these things. There's actually been cases that I've I've followed where people will get arrested and actually see their day in court before someone pipes up and goes, "Hey." Not to be that guy, but this criminal code provision that we're charging the guy under, it's been declared unconstitutional for, like, some time now. And then the court has to, you know, freak out. Let's fix that. And also, mandatory minimums, they don't work. Let's get rid of them. There's too many people in our prisons. We gotta fix that. 20. I really want to see the Wexit party running in a by-election and getting 4% of the vote. So... People don't know this, but uh, the Wexit Party has now uh, filed to for official federal party status, and they're also talking about running a, sort of a comparable Alberta provincial party to sort of, I guess that the plan is to push uh, Kenny and the UCP a little bit further to the right and you know encourage them to be more muscular and more independent on some of these issues. Um, I don't actually think that they are going to be a factor provincially, and they're probably not going to be a factor federally, although maybe in Alberta, I mean, who knows? Alberta Politics right now is fucked up. So, um, but provincially, I no, I don't think they're going to be a factor, and uh, we're looking forward to them basically failing on the provincial level, because it would be funny. I'm saying 4%. I think 3% of the population is that crazy. Number 19. I want to see the Liberals giving up on their tunnel to Newfoundland, or going ahead with it and having to admit that their infrastructure plans are crackpot. Oh, I actually kind of love the tunnel to Newfoundland idea, because it just no, sounds like something no. out of a Simpsons episode. <laughs> it, it truly does and if you, if you haven't followed this it's something we first discovered here on the on air as we were uh you know chatting about a newfoundland and labrador uh there is in the platform a specific commitment and money set aside to build a tunnel from labrador to newfoundland um the only problem being that feasibility studies have repeatedly said that it wouldn't significantly lower the cost of goods for people living on Newfoundland. It wouldn't spur significant economic development. And really, it wouldn't be worth the money. It would also take like a decade. And there's also a serious concern that icebergs would just knock the thing out of the water anyway, which is... That's amazing. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Anyway, don't do not do it. Don't 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 treat Newfoundlanders this way. But at least you're getting a wildly inept government management and a tunnel. I was wildly mismanaged by the government, and all I got was this shitty iceberg-ridden tunnel. It's not a bad T-shirt. That might be our first Alpo merch. Number eighteen. I'd like to see a devolution agreement with none of it. Obviously, this is something that nobody in the country ever pays attention to, because why would our media ever cover the territories? But just this summer, the federal government signed a kind of a memorandum of understanding with the government of none of it in order to move forward on negotiations on a final devolution agreement, which should have come forever ago. It's been pretty you know, recent that we've had one with the Northwest Territories. It has been, by and large, a good thing, though there's still some you know, thorny issues to work out. Um, it would be a big 
uh, movement for Nunavut to get a, a, a higher level of uh, autonomy and self-control that I think we'd finally, we should finally see in this parliament, fingers crossed. On that note, number 17. I would like to see a lot more from Mamalakagak, and I really hope I'm pronouncing her name right. I haven't got a full pronouncer from the, the NDP yet, but she is the new and, and, and relatively young uh, NDP MP for, for Nunavut. This was an upset for her to win that seat uh, for the NDP, and uh, she, she is an Inuit woman from the North, and I think it could be very interesting to see uh, a Nunavut being represented by the opposition benches, uh, especially uh, in a minority parliament, especially when there could be a devolution agreement on the table. Very exciting. Number 16, I'm looking forward to more newspaper bailouts because guess what, kids? Uh, That's $600 million that fatally compromised all of our collective oh, credibility. God, and fatally compromised. Was not actually enough to save shit. Which means you're going you to have to hear keep my on, eyes rolling. Keep that gravy train going, Government of Canada. Uh, Just keep stringing out the inevitable. Where's the next round? Jesus. I won't be content until done? every single media organization in this, in this country is beholden to government dime. Well, they've already gotten the money, and somehow they're still an independent press. Let me flip this one. 16B. I would like to see another newspaper bailout, because there are still newspapers that are on the verge of bankruptcy, and we may actually see an end of the Toronto Star in the next four years, which is bad. I would like to see some more money for newspapers, and I mean that very earnestly. So there you go. Number 15, an end to the official debate commission. Oh, yeah, that was so bad. Mom, Mr. Shear, you, you were doing this nothing. In case you were reversing the only point you ever had. You promised to balance Canadians I think we can all accept that didn't go well. Like, even David Johnson, the debate commissioner, seems to think that didn't go very well. I mean, you'd think that it was the first time we've ever had debates in a fucking election. They were just like, well, we have no idea what we're doing. I mean, we'll have to do this from scratch. Uh, there's, there's, no tra there's no history here to draw upon. We'll just make things up. And then it went horribly wrong. And they went, well, how are we to know? It's, it's like, Jesus Christ, maybe this whole thing was a bad idea. Or how about everybody should have been able to tell that like that many moderators and that many people on stage was going to be completely untenable. And I don't mean any disrespect to any of the individual moderators. Everybody did a good job on their own, but it was just too many. Yeah. The rules were terrible. The format was terrible. Having Maxime Bernier it was, there was terrible. Having Yves-François Blanchet in the English debate, not terrible, but I'm not sure that it was unnecessary. unnecessary. And also, like, what was the point of having those random questions from around the country if you already have five million moderators? We didn't need a commissioner. Just let us host debates. Let outlets figure out debates on their own. Fuck off, nanny state. Yeah. Okay, I'm taking credit for number 14. I want to see the Trans Mountain Pipeline finally getting built. Send off your hateful tweets now. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's already happening. And also, the reason why I'm looking forward to it is that if Trans Mountain gets built, Kenny gets to drop this absolutely idiotic promise of an equalization referendum. And as I've said on the show before, I think Trans Mountain should be built. And then I think we shut the door. No more pipelines. Trans Mountain, I think, is the, is the last gasp of a dying medium for transporting uh, a resource that we should eventually stop extracting from the earth we should have pipelines as there is a, a demand for the capacity for more pipelines 13 uh i would love to see a justice committee investigation into snc lavalin um now that the liberals have a minority government they will probably lose their majority on the justice committee and that means that potentially that committee could uh recall people to give more witness testimony Thus making sure that this is the story that never ends. I don't want Music to see this. What is the big outstanding question that has not been answered about how the liberal government handled the SNC affair? The degree to which 
Jodie Wilson-Raybould was canned because she refused to comply is, I think, the outstanding question for me. I think the, the 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 prevailing wisdom is now that she was fired largely, or at least in large part because of SNC. What about more testimony is going to change that? I think there could probably still be a little bit more clarity. And I do think there's a question of yeah. fundamental fairness that, you know, you've given uh, Wernick and, and Butts a chance to sort of state their piece, you know, trash, do their best to trash Jodie Wilson-Rold's credibility, but you didn't have the balls to call her back to give her a chance to defend herself again. And I think that, 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 that there's sort of a, just an inequity that needs to be rectified there. I think ultimately her vindication was, was winning re-election. Number 12, I'm holding out hope that the Liberal government will be stupid enough to actually grant SNC the Deferred Prosecution Agreement. I, I still think that they might try to do this. We talked about this before. We were fighting about it on Twitter this week. I generally think that SNC-Lavalin should get a Deferred Prosecution Agreement if they can convince the public prosecutor of Canada that they're, the fines they're willing to pay and the compliance agreement they're willing to go into and the changes they're willing to make structurally to ensure that corruption and bribery doesn't happen in the future are sufficient, I think the Public Prosecution Service should give them a DPA if, it, if it's within letter of the law, and I think that will be generally a good thing. And I am amazed that you were still trying to make that argument after I thoroughly pantsed you on Twitter about this very I topic. don't... Yeah. Look, the How public prosecutor examined this decided they didn't meet the criteria, and that's why the whole scandal happened. Hang on. The PPSC went into negotiations with SNC-Lavalin. Uh, it's not that they didn't qualify. It's that they did not trust the final agreement SNC-Lavalin agreed to was sufficient in, given the severity of what they had done. And they knew that the public good that could come from giving them this, i.e., you know, avoiding the harm to Canada's economy, was not a criteria to offer the deal under. Well, so that you know, that's also, where the crux of all this also, comes this from. This wasn't like a one-off corruption charge. It's not a good candidate for this type of agreement when you have a company that has, mm. is riddled with problems like this. would be a company that had like one rogue exec do a really shady thing at the expense of the rest of its company. And that's sort of where the, where the, the heart of the problem is is that SNC-Lavalin contends that this was a handful of rogue executives in a satellite office and that they have taken steps to um, fix their corporate governance and ensure this would never happen again. And ah. this, is where the PPS this is where the PPSC exactly tore them apart. They said, we don't think this was a one-off thing. We don't think you've done enough to actually fix the structural problems. But, you know, part of uh, SNC-Lavalin's defense was, was one part legal, one part public relations, and you know, one part, I think, some degree earnest. Um, but there was this sort of headbutting where the public prosecution of service says, no, that's not enough. SNC-Lavalin says, no, I swear we're good now. But that is how these negotiations work. And I think those negotiations could continue. And I think SNC-Lavalin could do a significant amount more to fix those problems and address those issues and ideally pay more to the federal government in fines and penalties. Um, Obviously, what the Liberal government has done has made the Auditor General offering this deal unpalatable and impossible. Even the Public Prosecution Service giving them this DPA now would look like political interference, so it makes it almost impossible. So, good job, Liberal Party of Canada. You fucked up any possibility of actually offering this DPA without looking incredibly shady. And also, I don't know that that's going to stop them from doing it anyway. Number 11, you're looking forward to Andrew Scheer admitting that he was wrong about Brexit. I don't think that's going to happen. No, it's just, never going to happen. Of it's course never it's going to happen. Gonna don't happen. be ridiculous. <laughs> Number 10, electoral reform version two. Some kind of electoral reform. The nerdy topic that nobody cares about until they really care about it. Now you have a, a minority parliament. Uh, three parties in the opposition benches to, to varying degrees who either support or benefit from uh, electoral reform. Um even the Conservative Party, who I, you have to imagine is looking at their Ontario results and going, 
Would we have done better if we had uh, some form of ranked ballot or, or PR? Maybe. Um, I, I think it would be a very fun thing for the NDP and Greens to just spend every other day needling the government on how they broke this promise. And maybe we end up with ranked ballots in the end. I just think first past the post actually does have to go. And, and, and maybe this is finally how we get there. Even if it's a referendum. I'm happy with a referendum. Number nine. I am looking forward to another round of antagonizing China. As China continues its evolution towards total dictatorship and more outward violence, I mean, if you're watching the protests in Hong Kong, um, it's not hard to see how ugly that is likely to get. It will be very interesting to see what pose Canada continues to take. Of all of the Western liberal democratic nations, we have the most strained relationship with China. And as China is sort of ramping up its efforts against Muslims, its efforts against uh, Hong Kong protesters, that puts us in a really interesting position to be the voice of moral clarity in the West on this stuff. Yeah, counterpoint, not going to happen. This government has loathed to actually pick fights. This government has never designed an actual rights or principles-based criticism of a foreign government in public. All of the quote-unquote criticisms happen behind closed doors, and even then they're tempered and couched. I've just been looking through, you know, uh, hundreds of pages of documents and negotiations where we had been considering signing a extradition treaty with China. Remember that? Remember how oh, that was so yeah, far in the cards? Literally what the Hong Kong uh, uh, protesters are yes. protesting over. It is amazing how much then Foreign Affairs Minister Stefan Dion was kowtowing to the Chinese. The Liberal government, the Trudeau government, has proved itself feckless and spineless in dealing with China, and I don't know why anything there would change. Number eight. I'm looking in a similar vein to Canada playing a constructive and thoughtful role in Venezuela and Bolivia. Good luck, neoliberal imperialist yeah. hack. Canada, I think, has tried to be a bit more forceful when it comes to Latin and South America. These are complicated issues. I mean, Venezuela is an absolute shit show. Bolivia is um, may well end up there if things don't go quite right. Canada has, has kind of oscillated from hand-wringing to actually kind of saying some of the right things at the right time. Um, you know, Bolivia is a tricky situation. Eva Morales evidently presided over some form of uh, electoral fraud. Um, whether it was enough to rig the election, TBD, uh, it's clear that he can't run again. But elections need to be free and fair. And Canada could have a role in actually ensuring that happens. America is not an honest broker in that region. Mexico obviously has a horse in the race. Canada could really be that middle ground that says, listen, we need to have a free and fair election. If Evo Morales' party wins, that's fine. We just need to make sure everything actually runs fairly. We'll work with the OAS to do that. You need to read more Noam Chomsky and stop being a useful idiot for the CIA. I actually have like four Noam Chomsky books at home, and I like them. And just briefly, you know, I think Canada's kind of middle ground position here where we're not, you know, defending Evan Morales as an absolutely angelic figure, uh, but we're also not bashing him as, as, as a crazy, you know, Stalinist rebel. It's good. Jugmeet Singh seems to have a different idea of what we should be doing. He tweeted uh, just last week that uh, the worsening situation in Bolivia is alarming. Uh, but the quote, instead of supporting the self-proclaimed interim president that has a history of attacking indigenous people, Canada must condemn the anti-democratic actions that led to this coup and are still getting worse. And there's, there's more down there. Um, but yeah, coup. I mean, this is a fun, lefty, tanky NDP position that maybe it's totally fine that they're taking. But coup, come on, let's, let's chill out. It's not a coup. Moving on, number seven. We're looking forward to Maxime Bernier shutting down the People's Party. Yay. <laughs> Laugh track. Bye. Number six. 
an actual coherent digital policy. Uh, I think that the really the tides have turned on a sales tax on Netflix. I mean, you remember back in 2015, I mean, Stephen Harper basically started the election by saying, I will not introduce a Netflix tax because I like Breaking Bad. Yeah, well, you know, people don't have such happy feelings toward major digital companies right now. And uh, if you were to try and maximize some, I, I saw something that recently said that we're losing what? Oh, I think it's $160 million per year by forgoing sales taxes on digital streaming services. It's 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 a pretty phenomenal amount of money we're leaving on the table. And there, there actually is an emerging consensus from the parties that, that more needs to be done on this. Uh, if you haven't listened, go back to our election shows and listen to the interview I did with uh, Murat Hamadi when we talked about each party's kind of digital policies. The big question is, does the government actually do anything? You know, mm-hmm. as we know, um, you know, this government has been very cozy with the Netflixes, the Facebooks, the Googles. Um, you know, I am not super confident that this government is willing to poke Google in the eye because Google might just go, okay, that's a really nice AI institute that we've been funding. You know, it would be a shame if something happened to it. And I don't think the government will ever uh, allow Google to uh, undercut its position as being this world leader in AI, even if that title is dubiously earned. Number five, the Conservative Party coming to its senses on LGBTQ issues. You heard me go on about this with Lisa Raitt last week. I wrote a column advice about it just uh, last week as well. Um, Do better. Number four, the Liberals making good on their promise to deliver clean drinking water to all First Nations, because apparently that's something that we just can't do. Well, if if their projections are right, uh, this mandate could be the one where uh, at least all the long-term boil water advisories have been ended for First Nations. There's still a whole bunch of short and medium-term ones, but this is a start. And if if it actually comes true, it's a thing the the Liberal government deserves credit for. You know what? I I think there's a whole bunch of things to criticize them for, and you can do both at the same time. If they do manage to end these long-term boil water advisories, that is a big victory. There. Something nice about the Liberal Party. We're down to the final three things. I want to see Ottawa challenging Quebec's super racist, super discriminatory Bill 21 because it's racist and discriminatory. Yes. For all the hedging during the election, the Liberals still did very well in Quebec, considering they were the ones openly talking about maybe eventually challenging it. And, you know, they got pillared in the Journal de Montréal and the Journal de Quebec, and they still won a bunch of seats. Um, I think it should blow apart this entire narrative that, uh, you know, Quebec will never tolerate federal politicians intervening on matters of human rights. I think it's bullshit. Um, you know, the two parties that were more circumspect about those issues, the NDP and the Conservatives, didn't do nearly as well as they were expected to. Um, you know, obviously the Bloc Quebecois did great, but it sets up Quebec as itself being divided on this issue. I think a lot of Quebecers are okay with the federal government intervening because, say it with me, it's a matter of human rights. And as of right now, the federal government still has a responsibility for human rights and Quebec is not respecting them. So fucking do something about it. Number two, Jagmeet Singh actually growing into his role as the balance of power. I mean, I think we were all pretty shocked um, after spending, what, a year and a half mocking Jagmeet Singh and the NDP's total lack of presence on in federal politics on this show that, you know, during the campaign, Singh actually stepped up. He did a really good job in the campaign. And, and you're seeing him take kind of punchier positions, um, going out on a few limbs, actually, you know, kind of making his demands known, even on Bolivia. I don't think I actually like his statement, but I kind of like that it's not just mishmash indifferent sort of hand-wringing it maybe the ndp has finally uh found itself and the final number one thing i want to see this parliamentary session is another election <sighs> really you know it's coming look i mean you can't 
be into politics and not secretly love another election. And also, I, I kind of feel like the last election was so bad that everyone should be forced to do a do-over. No, at least give it still 2021 at least. Maybe 2022. 2021. I give you that. Deal. <laughs> There we go. That's it. Those are the 50 things we want to see in the 43rd Parliament. Tell us what you think. We do love your comments. Email oppo at candidalandshow.com or tweet us at oppocast. And go like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you like us, rate us and leave a review. If you don't like us, then why are you even here, man? It's the end of the show. But whatever your comments are, perhaps we'll read them on air. Our latest review reads, quote, Come for the banter, stay for Justin Ling getting dunked on. Thanks for that, Bisky. You're my new favorite. And here's one from July. Quote, vulgar pushy hosts, too much foul language, totally unnecessary since the topics would be interesting without. Well, unfortunately, Emi won't be able to hear this because that person unsubscribed. Sad, low energy. It is still crowdfunding month at Canada Land. Go to patreon.com slash Canada Land and throw in a few bucks a month. This episode was produced by Laura Howells. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton, and the theme music was by Nathan Burley. I have the last word this week, and that word is meaningless gruel. 